welcome back to the Justify Your Existence podcast here at the uh, Daily Journal. Um, if you are tuning back into this podcast for the first time in, I don't know, months, um, first off, the voices probably sound a little different. Um, so I'm Brendan Farrell. I'm joined by my colleague, James Murphy. James, say hi. Hey, guys. Good to be here. And uh, we're trying to bring this podcast back a little bit. So um, please bear with us as we try to get through a first episode. Um, but yeah, James, how are you this morning? I'm pretty good. Got my coffee and I'm ready to go. Nice. Um, yeah, so busy weekend as always this time of year when it comes to um, Mississippi college sports. Um, but first, um, I think we should probably do a little bit more to kind of introduce ourselves and um, just kind of talk a little bit about our background if we're going to be doing this every week, right? Yeah, good idea. Yeah, and um, so James, what's kind of your background when it comes to college sports and all that? Well, uh, this is my first college sports recruit, college sports job. Um, as Brendan and I kind of both do a little bit of Ole Miss and Mississippi State, uh, we've been doing some game store duties for that. We've been doing some sidebar work, and we've been following along all year. I also personally did a little bit of community college in community college game stories, which has been a lot of fun, and I really liked it. Yeah, and then, uh, James, where did you go to school? Oh, I went to Ithaca College, graduated in 2020, and before this I spent about two years as a high school sports reporter over in Nebraska. I can imagine that uh, college football in Ithaca is maybe a little different. It is very much different. Um, the playoffs are quite a bit different. Um, it's different the way you go about it. Um, it's very much – it is refreshing going straight from the regular season to the postseason as opposed to the month between the end of the regular season and the start of playoffs in Division One. But, yeah, it's pretty different, and I enjoy it. See, like – you know, clearly we we need like a, uh, what is it, like a D2 or D3? D3. Yeah. Why isn't there like a D3 selection show? I mean, come on. Well, there is. No, but it's just that not as many people watch it, sadly. Yeah, I know. I'm just, just messing around. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then, um, I mean, I guess New York is technically Big Ten territory. It depends on who you ask. I mean, the closest school to Ithaca is Syracuse, so you could argue it's ACC, Big Ten. I mean, the closest Big Ten school is actually Penn State from Ithaca. It's a two-hour drive, whereas Syracuse is, give or take, 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the traffic. So it's a bit of a um, kind of questionable territory. Right. It reminds me of the time that um, they had college game day uh, in, like, Times Square or whatever. It It was in New York City. When was that? Uh, a few years ago, and uh, it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a total disaster. That's why they never tried it again. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, a pretty tall task trying to do it in Times Square. I mean, I, I know they had the Super Bowl there, and they tried that. I went doing it in Times Square. What game was that for? Um, I'm trying to look it up now, but it was it was 2017. Um, and I, th- I think it was, I don't know, it was just... I think it was one of those things where it was just like kind of a week, kind of week one, and they were just like, let's let's throw it in, um, let's let's start things off in New York City, uh, except that like I'm sure as they were setting up, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know because New York City people were like, yeah, I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine a lot of New York people did. So, anyway, um, and then you grew up in Long Island, right? Yep, on Long Island. Yeah, what was, what was um, 
what was your college football experience growing up? Well, I grew up a Michigan fan. They're the closest. There's not much of a local team. I mean, the closest I had was Army. I went to two games. It is a really nice. I do like Maichi Stadium. Great atmosphere. Good place. But there's obviously no real local team on Long Island. I mean, the closest thing they have is, I mean, at this point, is the LIU Sharks, who uh, played Baylor a couple of weeks ago. That's about their biggest claim to fame in 2023. But not as much high school football, not as much college football on Long Island, but um, that's about it, really. See, I recognize LIU as the Sharks because um, they recently started a Division One college hockey team. Oh, they did? Yeah, they have a men's college hockey team now, and I just find it funny because um, I'm a San Jose Sharks fan, so yeah. it's like, oh, there's like a college hockey team. It's also the Sharks now, right? Yeah. Um, and I think uh, LIU probably has more wins this season than the Sharks do. <laughs> um, so anyway... Uh, Nobody on nobody listening to this is going to get that reference. So, um, yeah. And then as for myself, um, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, originally born and raised. Um, you know, they play a small college football game called the unofficially now the uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Um, you know, so growing up in Florida in the you know, mid to late 2000s, there was some guy playing, or, you know, named Tim Tebow playing quarterback at a school two hours south, not even. So that's kind of what <laughs> that whole experience was like. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went to University of Florida, you know, went to, went to school in SEC country and spent a couple of years out west covering a, quite literally a little bit of everything in, in Park City, Utah. Um, if you ever want to talk to somebody who has takes on mogul skiing, um, I don't know why you would, but I believe I'd be the person to, uh, talk to you about that. Um, not that I know that much about it, but I've, I've watched a fair amount. Fun fact, Brendan has experienced every single different kind of weather you could imagine over the past year between his experiences in Utah, a little bit of Florida and Mississippi. I was telling, um, my folks this yesterday that, I realized last winter that I was totally screwed when it came to weather. Um, when I came home for, you know, sometime in mid-November, early November, and got hit by a hurricane. Uh, that preceded uh, a fairly historic uh, snow season in Utah. Um, and right now I, I can see... I still kind of check the weather out there every once in a while to see what it's like and uh, to see snow on the forecast. I'm already getting like, you know, flashbacks and I'm just sitting here. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, the weather today kind of sucked because it was like, I don't know, 45 degrees and rainy and yeah. gray and overall just kind of depressing. But I'm like, at least there's not already six inches of snow on the ground. Yeah, better water on the ground than snow. Yeah, because usually once the, the – at least my experience is – I was out in Utah for two years. My experiences out there was uh, once it started snowing, like, that was it. Like, it, you are not going to feel warm for the next eight months. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, that is um, a little bit about James and I. And then um, I need to uh, fulfill my uh, obligations to plug our – everything really so uh, a reminder that you can follow all of our coverage and when i mean our i mean folks across the paper not just james and i um on twitter and facebook at d journal sports 
Um, you can follow uh, Michael Katz, our Ole Miss reporter, at Michael L. Katz, as well as uh, Benjamin Rosenberg, uh, who does Mississippi State Athletics, at uh, BX Rosenberg. And uh, also, you can uh, join the conversation with other fans uh, in our Ole Miss Sports Discussion and Mississippi State Sports Discussion uh, Facebook groups. I guess they are. Yeah, they're groups. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, James, where do you want to start from this past weekend? Well, I think we can start with Ole Miss Vanderbilt. Uh, Ole Miss beating the Commodores 33-7 to and what I believe was their fourth straight win. Yeah, probably. I can double-check that. Um, but, yeah, it's just – I mean, I feel like the best way to sum it up is they just took care of business. Definitely. And, you know, at some point there's going to be points in the year where if you want to compete for a national championship, which is on the minds of the players and the coaches, there are going to be times where you have to do that. And they did that this time around. Uh, The defense looked very good. It made the plays that it had to when it had to, which is a real testament to the work Pete Golding's been doing over there. And offensively, they're having some key guys uh, get hot. Quinshawn Judkins is getting better and better. First four games of the season, he did not rushed for more than 60 yards over the past four. He's rushed for 177, 65, 124, and 124 yards. He's also got, I'm counting off the top of my head, five rushing touchdowns in that span. Getting him going is going to be a really big part of the season, especially as we get into November with a really important set of games coming up. Yeah, I'm feeling that's always kind of been the question. I shouldn't say always, but I feel like that's, you know, midseason – that was kind of the question mark when it came to Ole Miss was all of a sudden it was like, well, why can't they run the ball? They've always been good at running the ball. Uh, or at least I shouldn't say always. They were they were really good at running the ball last year. And, and, you know, I feel like that was going to be one of the key points this year was, well, if Judkins was that good as a freshman, like imagine what, you know, how good he's going to be as a sophomore. Exactly. So when, uh, you know, when they came out of the gates this year and it just didn't quite, you know, kind of click for them coming out of the gates, I feel like there was, that was a big question mark. But um, things have just gotten better on that side of things lately, I think. Definitely. And I remember a lot of people were talking, wondering, oh, is, J- is Judkins healthy? Is the offensive line able to execute as much? Still not 100% sure what the reason was for the run game slow start or Judkins' slow start, but whatever it is, they seem to have shaken it off pretty well. Well, I mean, my feeling is that whenever people are like, well, our ground game stinks, always starts up front always starts up front right um there's only so much like a running back can do to kind of make up for you know bad blocking or just not having space right right Uh, there's only so many tackles you can break exactly um but uh look it's vanderbilt right like for Ole Miss to not get a push against vanderbilt would be like a huge red flag um, yeah, definitely. You know, especially with a team that has ambitions of hanging in there in the SEC West, uh, which we will talk about in a bit too. You know, so I, f- I feel like my my general feeling about this Ole Miss Vanderbilt game was uh, they took care of business. Exactly, they did that. The defense did a really good job. Um, there were questions about Pete Golding, especially even after that win over LSU where the defense gave up 49. They've since allowed 20, 21, which was more 14 because they allowed one drive with less than two minutes left and then kind of got got the going, and now they've got seven. So, 
you can tell that Pete Golding's really paying off because, you know, I talked, Kiffin talked after the Auburn game, which I covered, about how that was a really big investment. And he's happy to see that's paying off over the past couple of games. Yeah, and I uh, cannot believe that there is a uh, rivalry game called the Khaki Bowl and, and, and Jim Harbaugh is not involved. I mean, we live in a world where the civil conflict was a thing for about half a decade, so we can't rule out much in this world. Look, I, I live nearby uh, half of the civil conflict, and nobody knows uh, that that even happened. Oh, yeah, I was not that far from Connecticut, and I, I, I didn't hear anything about it until it was over. <sighs> Gotta love uh, trophy games like that. Absolutely love it. Uh, but, yeah, I think... Uh, Vanderbilt's just one of those teams that kind of pops up, and um, I feel like uh, every Ole Miss fan I talk to is like, oh, we're going to get – every year we get dragged into a uh, kind of a sloppy, close game against Vanderbilt for no particular reason. Um, So I I feel like for most people it was probably um, really nice to see a comfortable Ole Miss win. Yeah, definitely. And, again, we keep saying it, but it's another take-care-of-business win. Is there going to be stuff to work on? Yes. There were a couple of times where a missed assignment here could have led to something there. Like on the touchdown drive that Vanderbilt had, granted a guy made a great catch to put them inside the 10, but you know some things on defense could, could be worked a little better, but that's with every game. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, you know, maybe they could have done a better job finishing drives, especially early on to like really um, bury – Vanderbilt early but um I feel like that's almost sort of nitpicking yeah exactly you know like um like when you hold the other team to uh 230 yards you're probably gonna win that game yeah definitely especially when a lot of those yards came in the second half when you could argue maybe they loosened up a little bit just a little bit schematically especially only allowed 60 through the air 60, yeah, that's a great sign. And they got two picks. One guy got two picks, if I'm correct. Yeah, and then, um, so yeah, I I feel like there's not a ton to to talk about here other than um, avoiding disaster and um, just hanging in there in the SEC West. Yep, and I think the biggest thing we can do with that is we can kind of look ahead from here because, you know, last year the biggest thing was they started great, but then they didn't finish very well. when all right now this year they have a chance to do that they host texas a&m who while they have their own problems is still a very talented team that could get you if you're not careful and obviously going on the road to georgia the difficulty of that game speaks for itself then you host louisiana monroe and you go to mississippi state for the egg bowl and we all know how eventful that is so focus will be big there and you will probably need a break or two along the way but it's going to be really interesting to see how the month of november plays out for them yeah, um, and I think we, we, we tried our best to dig into some potential uh, SEC West tiebreakers and got absolutely nowhere. I, I It was just so hard to understand. Um, so yeah, I, but you told me that uh, you think Ole Miss fans should be rooting for LSU this weekend. Well, yeah, because what happens is, so the standings right now are Alabama's 5-0, and Ole Miss is 4-1, LSU is 4-1. If LSU beats Alabama and Ole Miss wins, then that would create a three-way tie in the SEC West with three with the top with three five and one teams at the top. 
And now granted, Ole Miss would have to win out and everybody else would have to win. Ole Miss would have to win out just for them to be in contention for this because there is still because they, they could still lose to Georgia and this could be a moot point. And then LSU could have the tiebreaker over Alabama and LSU gets in. But let's assume for a minute that LSU beats Alabama and then from there, all three of them went out, which could happen. One of them might slip up, but that would create a three-way tie in the SEC West with three, at that point, seven and one teams at the top. Yeah, that made sense. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a pretty complicated process. I, I know in, I know that one of the tiebreakers in the Big Ten is if there are three teams at the top, it goes to – correct me if I'm I – I might be wrong here, but it, it, if there's a three-way tie in the Big Ten with either division, it's whoever has, whoever has played the out-of-division teams with the best record gets in. I'm not 100% sure if that's what applies here. But um, I, I guess that's a possibility. Yeah, no, we were reading through the, we were trying our best to read through the tiebreakers earlier. It did not sound like anything, really. No. It's, it just sounded like a bunch of words mashed together. Yeah, so somebody should just make it about point differential, and this would make the whole process easier. You like that uh, uh, gif of the guy with like the conspiracy board behind him, and he's, you know, looking like a madman. Yeah, the, the, it's always sunny thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's sort of how I feel like trying to dissect the SEC West. Yes, and, and again, one of these teams could end up losing two games and it can get, come down to two teams, but we're just saying that it's possible we get a three-way tie, especially if LSU beats Bama this weekend. So, yeah, if that uh, Alabama loss wasn't painful enough for you already, um, yeah. <laughs> Created a very complicated process going forward. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, it should be, should make for an interesting weekend in uh, Oxford this weekend because I feel like Jimbo Fisher always pulls enough wins to uh, prevent him from getting immediately tarmacked, right? Right. Um, it's just never consistent enough other than, you know, 2020 when they were, you know, on the cusp of the playoff. Yeah, and again, the talent is always is always there for Texas A&M. They've got the resources, they've got the talent, they've got a lot of the. Uh, they 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 schematically they can have times when they look really good. It's just not consistent enough to the point where you feel like they're beating expectations. I mean, obviously, if you're Ole Miss, all your focus is on Texas A&M. But um, at the same time, we're not sure which Texas A&M we're going to get on Saturday after Saturday morning slash afternoon, depending on how you look at it. It's a uh, 16 versus 17 matchup in Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings, in case you're wondering how close it is. 16 versus which one? 17. Ole Miss, 16 Texas versus Ole Miss is the 16. Oh, Texas okay. A&M is the 17. Yeah, it could be a, probably a one-possession game if you think about it. Well, I mean, the key for Texas A&M right now is can they get the offense going? That's true. And if you're Ole Miss, can you stop set offense? Well, yes. I mean, I feel like my I've tweeted a couple of graphics about this. Um, but I feel like my thing with Ole Miss is always that I, I feel like they can never get both sides of the ball going at once. So I covered the Arkansas Ole Miss game at, where somebody asked Lane Kiffin if what it would take to get the offense, defense, and special teams going all at the same time, and he jokingly said, "It's like, oh, I'll pay you money to figure that out." But you know, it does bring up an interesting point because it's been hard to do that all at the same time. I mean, you could argue they were able to do that fairly well against Vanderbilt. Now the question is just maintaining that consistency, especially against a very talented Texas A&M team. 
Yeah, um, it, that was sort of an observation that uh, I had made um, while also being at the Arkansas game. Though I, I was I I paid money for a ticket to be there, and so these are my observations from like row five of one of the corner end zone sections. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that was the game where I was just sitting there. I'm like, well, if they could ever get, you know, uh, both of the sides of the ball going at the same time, that would be really great. Um, because it, it just always feels like they'll get a stop and then punt, or they'll score and then immediately allow a touchdown on the other end. Um, so, uh, anyway, there's that. Um, did you want to move on to um, uh, Mississippi State a little bit? Yeah. Lots to talk about over there. So, um, yeah, probably not the outcome you wanted for Mississippi State there. No, and – a big thing that Zach Arnett has been harping on this whole season has been execution and watching some of the biggest things that stood out from there. There just wasn't a ton of it, especially not on the defensive side of the ball. I'll tell you one thing that popped out to me. So Peyton Thorne had not had 280, who had not surpassed 282 passing yards since September 16th when he played Samford, not Stanford, Samford. He threw for 230 yards, three touchdowns on 76.9 completion percentage. That is a very, that's a very alarming signal for Mississippi State and for a defense that had already had question marks going into the season, but yet another alarming performance there. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the big thing is it's like, well, you know, like that, that was supposed to be the staff's whole thing that they were good at, right, was defense. And, and granted, like there was a lot of turnover from last year. Um but still, it's it's got to be frustrating to, to watch a game like that. Yeah, definitely. And again, it's just a lot of missed plays, like just blown coverage assignments, a lot of missed tackles, just a lot of individual assignments not being taken care of. Yeah, so I, I agree with you that like I think the big thing was just how difficult of a time they had stopping the pass when it's the one thing Auburn has really, really struggled at this year. Um I feel like I think they've been like rotating quarterbacks all year and um, and all of a sudden just no problems against Mississippi State. Yeah, it's pretty telling, especially when it's been especially when a lot of people have been talking about the struggles of that passing game. So definitely going to be a look in the mirror moment for Mississippi State, who also who we talked about how Ole Miss has a very crucial November. I think you could argue Mississippi State's November is going to be even more crucial. Yeah. Um, what, what, all, what all makes you feel like that? Well, they're 4-4 four and four right now, and you got to win two games to get into a bowl. And I look at the schedule, and I, see, and I see one game that I think they'd be projected to win, which is Southern Miss. But off the top of my head, if I, I believe they have Kentucky. Actually, you know what? I'm going to double-check right now so that I'm correct on this. Yeah, they got Kentucky. They got Kentucky on Saturday. At Texas A&M, they host Southern Miss and then Ole Miss. So not the easiest stretch to get two wins there. Right. And if you have issues with this Southern Miss team right now, you've got serious problems. They, they do. They do, yeah. But, again, obviously priority number one is beating Kentucky, who is beatable. They've shown that a lot of times. But um, I think the biggest thing is um, just being able to make sure they execute in those big moments. Yeah, I think uh, Kentucky is probably the most winnable of those three SEC games. Um, yeah, and I feel like not making a bowl game, it would be 
um, not a great look. Yeah, it, it would not. And especially for Zach Garnett, who I imagine is obviously the circumstances which he's under there are very unfortunate with Mike Leach's passing, but there is a bit there is a bit of pressure to make sure that he shows some progress in year one. So uh, I'm going to pause for one quick second and um, plug our coverage once again. Um, reminder that you can uh, see all of our coverage at djournal.com slash sports slash college slash Ole Miss or um, djournal.com slash sports slash college slash Mississippi State. Um, so, yeah, you are uh, heading up to or heading down to Starkville this weekend, right? Yep, I'm going to be there for the Kentucky-Mississippi State game for a night kickoff. Yeah, I mean, just what all – I mean, I know you already kind of talked about it a little bit, but um, in addition to how, you know, important this is for Mississippi State's uh, bowl eligibility push, um, just what are your feelings on this one so far? Well, again, it's a lot of it's going to come down to not only Mississippi State's defense, but Mike Reich's execution. Um we know that coming in, he was a run-first quarterback. And if I'm correct, the biggest reason he was brought in there was to add a little bit of mobility in, like, short-yarded situations. And, you know, with Will Rogers out, and I'm not positive he'll be back this week, but assuming Mike Wright does get the start, he's, he is going to have to show some progress because, obviously, having your start, starting quarterback go down is a pretty unenviable position. But as long as you're in that position, you need to make the most of it. And that's probably going to involve Mike Wright making some improvements, especially throwing the ball. The uh, good news, I guess, is that uh, they're not exactly catching a Kentucky team that is uh, super hot at this point. In fact, they are uh, quite the opposite. Uh, three straight losses for Kentucky. And... Um, couple of those by uh, several possessions yeah um they're they're doing their usual shtick of uh coming out and beating florida early in the year and then uh just totally falling apart afterward that's their usual stick that's yeah, what i feel like has happened the last uh last three years is that uh they get up for florida early in the season and then it just kind of falls apart a little bit after that but yeah uh the problem is is that uh I feel like Kentucky is kind of the the team to uh, at least kind of punish Mississippi State for some of their shortcomings. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. Kentucky does have a very good run game. Ray Davis is one of the better running backs in the country, and a lot of that's going to involve just making your tackles and being there in the right position and making making the plays when you have to. Because to me, that's what a lot of defenses – that's probably the biggest thing for a defense – you obviously don't want to give up big plays. You obviously don't want to let up too many points. But I think the biggest thing for a defense to be able to do is to just make the – is can you make the plays you have to make when you have to make them. And they, I do think that if they show that, that's a great and that's a big first step in improving that unit. Yeah, generally, um, Kentucky's been pretty pretty solid against the run, and they've, they've run the ball pretty well. They've run into a few um, difficulties against the likes of – uh, Georgia and, and Missouri, um, and they, they played Tennessee close this, this past weekend. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, it's it's going to be an interesting weekend down there in in Starkville. Uh, it's your second trip down there, right? Yep, second trip down there. I was there for the Alabama game. I'm interested to see how they handle what should be. It's obviously a very big game at night, at night on Saturday night. Yeah, um, and then. I will be heading over to Oxford this weekend for 
uh, Ole Miss and Texas A&M. Um, another, another, I mean, I guess every game for Ole Miss right now is, is big. Definitely 100%. And again, against a team with a lot of talent that has the type of playmakers that can turn this game around. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a, a change from, from Vanderbilt, I would say. Just a little. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is, is, is there anything else that you uh, really felt like talking about right now? I mean, those are probably the biggest things. Um, I'll sum it up in general. Just Ole Miss, very good solid win on Saturday. Took care of business, which are the kind of games you need to have if you have national championship aspirations, which they did. And just being able to focus on Texas A&M and being able to play as much of a complete game as they can will be big. And for Mississippi State, got to be able to execute against Kentucky, especially on defense and a lot of the times with offense. Yeah, um, great. I think that's going to probably do it for us. Um, and reminder that you can see all of our coverage in one place uh, every Sunday morning uh, with our Sports Insider newsletter. Uh, you can find all of our newsletter offerings at djournal.com slash newsletters. Um, and then once again, um, you can find me at bferrell727 on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at this point. Um, and then, James, what's your uh, handle? At JS Murphy Media. Great. Um, once again, you can follow us for a little bit of everything when it comes to Mississippi sports, whether it's high school or college or just whatever but uh thank you again for listening and uh hopefully uh tune back in next week for the uh next episode of the uh, justify your existence podcast yeah should be a lot to talk about then as well all right